Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Pamela Hackett about reimagining your business and rethinking how you re-engage your people. Pamela Hackett, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Very happy to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. We're going to be focusing on reimagining your business and then rethinking how you re-engage your people. Now, obviously, during the pandemic, uh, so many organizations have had to pivot and leaders have had to be highly agile and adaptable. Uh, we were just talking in the pre-interview about how your global business, you are now running out of your home in Toronto. Um, you know, I think that's the story of most people's lives over the past 18 months or so. And so we all have been going through that process of rethinking and reimagining our business and how can we provide our product and service to customers when we're, you know, more or less in a virtual space, or at least more so than we were before, certainly. Um, but now, you know, I, maybe it's it's being a little bit too optimistic. I know we're having resurgent of the Delta variant and everything, but, you know, things are opening up a bit more and it seems like, you know, we have the vaccine and hopefully we'll, we'll be coming out of this sooner than later. Um, and many organizations are talking about bringing people back to the workplace uh, or at least some sort of a hybrid arrangement uh, where they're doing some virtual, some in the office. And this is after 18 months of some people just being completely virtual and getting really used to it and really liking the autonomy, the flexibility uh, that that might bring. And so leaders are having to think about and rethink how they are going to engage or re-engage their people back into the company culture, back into the team, the environment within the workplace. Uh, so that's what we're going to be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Pamela's bio with everybody. Pamela Hackett has advised, led, and supported people through major change within some of the world's most prominent companies and brands throughout her 35 years in management consulting. She is the global CEO of the international consultancy Proudfoot, a pioneer of boots-on-the-ground consulting that's been in the game for eight decades. Her new book, Managed to Engage, How Great Managers Create Remarkable Results is available, and she'll, I'm sure, tell us all about that as well. Thank you for joining us. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of background or personal context before we launch on in? Oh, gosh, I think that's that's probably enough, right? I, I listen to that and I think, oh, I always need to rewrite those bios. They sound terrible when somebody else tell, tells that story. So, yeah, you just hope that people understand that you've got 35 years of experience of working with just, oh, gosh, thousands of companies and leaders and management teams. And so it's just great to be able to share some of that experience and knowledge. 
Great, great. And why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about your book? I mean, it's it's directly related to our topic for today. Um, manage to engage how great managers create remarkable results. Uh, what what inspired you to write the book? Um, and tell us a little bit about it. So everything that you've just said is really the, the background to the book, and that is how do you really keep people engaged, irrespective of whether they are virtual, whether they're on-site, off-site. Um, the, the real big story behind it is that before the pandemic, there was already a massive crisis, and that was the fact that most people just aren't very engaged at work. They just don't like it. They don't enjoy it. And for the most part, it's because we're not doing anything really to engage them. So I think the big learning, and for me, it was the, the pandemic hit I'd already been in an environment where, you know, I knew how important it was to have the people side of business really working for you rather than against you. And, and then we sat with this pandemic and it just became so relevant that, geez, if, if we had this problem before, we'd better fix it now. And of course, we're coming out of the pandemic. The engagement scores went up a little bit during the pandemic because everybody did get closer. And even though it was on Teams and Zoom, they all huddled a little bit more. Um, but now that's kind of flattened out and we're back in the same boat where a lot of businesses are saying, how am I going to engage my people? How am I going to really get them excited about coming to work each day? But more importantly, how am I going to do that so I can get the results that I need to achieve? So that was a very long-winded way of saying one simple thing, and that's that engagement is not a HR issue. It's a line management issue. It's the boss's issue, and they own it. And so the real dilemma for management is how do I, how do I really learn how to better engage my people when I've got all this other stuff coming at me? So um, it, it's about balancing what's coming at you and at the same time engaging. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Engagement has been a, a real issue for a long time. Uh, famously, you know, the Gallup uh, organization puts out their um, state of engagement report yearly. And I, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's it's something like two thirds of, of individuals are actively disengaged. <laughs> so yeah. not, not just not engaged, but active, actively disengaged. Um, and the number of people actually engaged in their work, finding meaning, purpose, fulfillment, and actually, you know, that leads to productivity and positive outcomes for, for them and for their team and the organization. Yeah. That, that number's really low. And so that was pre-pandemic. And, and, you know, having a dynamic, healthy, engaging culture is hard enough to do when you have people like together, but now all of a sudden people are distributed across, in some cases across the globe. Um, they're working virtually. They're connecting, you know, via Teams and Zoom, and and the technology is great to allow us to do that. But it's it's you know it's not as good as as being together in person when you're talking about culture. And so this really has been just a challenge. And now we have to figure out how are we going to either re-engage if we had an engaged workforce in the past, or if we really didn't have engaged employees before anyways, you know, how are we now going to bring people back together in a way that's going to create that dynamic type of environment that will lead to innovation, that will lead to positive employee experience and a positive customer experience that will, you know, drive value in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, and get you the results that you're after. I, th I think that's the real $64,000 question, right, for any executive today or any leader at any level. Um, but I think um, it's probably worth sharing. A, we've just finished a study, Proudfoot, so 50,000 engagements and a, and a pandemic, a million leaders, and then, you know, that we've coached. And, and then during the pandemic, so the last 18 months, we had 
and I'm going to be really precise because I asked my team to come back with the number of interviews, conversations, interactions they had with management across the globe, 6,138. So you put all that together and there's a huge amount of learning, right? And, um, and so people expect that learning to be um, some, some new scientific, you know, sprinkle the pixie dust and there's going to be a, a, a major new breakthrough thing that we should be doing to better engage people. And then I'm going to disappoint everybody when I say what the one major finding was that makes the difference between an engaged workplace and one that's not, and something that we call, you know, what, what the best led are really doing now. And the one common element that is for everybody, for every business, doesn't matter if you're a mine in, in, in South Africa or if you're a bank in New York City, is the level of activeness of the management at every level, so from frontline supervisors and team leaders right through to the senior executive ranks. How active are those people? And the ones that have an engaged workforce are active in the game, interacting and connecting with their people. They know what's going on, they know how to help, and they know how to remove the barriers to success that prevent people from doing great work. And so if you kind of use that as a backdrop, if you're a, a leader, if you're a team leader, a supervisor, frontline supervisor, or a senior exec, you want to say to yourself, what colors my day? How am I spending my time? And if I'm spending it all in my reporting, in my device, and not connecting with people, whether that's virtual or not, if I am not spending a good bulk of time connecting with people, I'm not going to have an engaged workforce. And that's, you know, that's really the big finding that, that we had. And that didn't change pre or post pandemic now during the pandemic or, or before it. Yeah. So meaningful, authentic connections between people drives, you know, fulfillment and success in the workplace. Go figure. Right. Um, I, I've done a ton of research in this area as well. And yes, across a wide range of intrinsic and extrinsic motivators uh, and things that can drive people's behavior and attitudes workplace relationships always is right at the top of the list. It's, it's always really, really important. And, you know, people want to do meaning that matters. They want to do meaning that can benefit society. They want to have good, positive relationships in the workplace. And if, if we're trying to have people do innovative things, then we have to create that environment and we have to set the tone as the leader. Um, and so, you know, I, sometimes I, I talk with leaders you know, I get it. They're busy. You, you have things thrown at you all day long. Um, you're putting out fires, whatever. And it, it just, you know, you don't feel like you have the bandwidth to, to build those authentic relationships of mutual accountability and trust. And it takes time. Right. And so, so a lot of leaders don't do it. Um, they kind of punt and they think, ah, it's okay. People on my team know I care about them. People on my team know that I support them. Do they, do they actually know that? I don't think they do. I don't think they do because the, all they see is that your priority is putting out all these fires and you tend to give all your attention to the squeaky wheel, not necessarily supporting the person who just does great work all the time. And that it, un, despite your best intentions, that undermines your ability to develop those relationships and to actually be supportive in the way that you probably want to be. I do believe that, you know, most leaders aren't narcissistic you know, jerks, they, they want to do well by their people. They want to have a dynamic team. They want to, to support their people, but you got to commit to putting in the time and there's no substitute for it. And that doesn't mean you have to like spend all day, every day, 
going from person to person to person talking with everybody, but you should have meaningful conversations uh, and coaching and mentoring and feedback to your people on a regular basis. That And regular doesn't mean a once a year performance review or a quarterly um, discussion. Like it means regular, regular actual conversations. Uh, and if you can't do that, despite your best intentions, it, it's not going to be there. And you're going to undermine your own ability to, to have impact. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, I was everything that you've spoken about there. Um, I, I think we're completely aligned. I was on a on a call uh, with a senior executive group. I think it was last week. Um, major global company with all of the C suite sitting around the table. And one comment at the very end was was what you've just talked about there. And that was um, one of the gentlemen said, I, "I just don't know how to free up my capacity." to be able to spend that time with people. And so I gave him and I gave that team just two sentences and said, number one, get the right people on the bus. Because if you're spending all of your time really having to fight fires and, and do things, then perhaps there's an issue around the team that you've got. And then the, the second thing is once you've got the right people on the bus, if you spend the time engaging, then you will likely not have to spend your time doing all the other stuff. And so the, the moral of that story is that people think engagement is different from and separate from doing your day job of actually leading your team. And if you do your day job correctly, you're going to be engaging and you're going to manage to engage and you're going to manage to engage to get the results that you want. And so what is it, what the real problem is, is that it's tough for some people, particularly the guys that we promote and then don't spend any time teaching them what the job is. And the yeah. job is your job as a manager, as a leader, as a supervisor, your only job is to make your team successful and to remove the barriers to their success. And the only way you can do that is if you routinely, as you said, have a, a drumbeat that says, I'm gonna check in with them and pick the numbers that suit your business. But let's say 
once a day is an environment where once a day is the right number. So for, for ease of simple numbers, one, five, 30. Check in, not up, check in once a day and see how things are going. Make that connection. Talk about you know, the people's dogs and families and everything, but then ask them how the job is going. And do you need any help? Is there anything that I can do to make you more successful today? What did you plan on doing? What did you actually do? What's the difference between the two? And what can we do to, to close that gap? Or what can you do? Maybe it's in your control. Or if you've had a great day, let me just tell you, you're brilliant and you've had a great day. That's one. Five, once a week, have a more meaningful conversation. Not a quick and dirty, oh, how'd the day go? But a how did your week go? How's the job going? Did you get everything that you wanted to get done this week done? And if not, can we have a conversation about that? And then 30, that's, this is, you raise a really good point about the annual performance review. I think you should turf that. If you're doing annual performance reviews, they're a waste of your time, everybody's time, get rid of them. But if you practice 1530, so you're 30, once a month, have a really meaningful discussion about somebody's development, about their career, about where they're going, about what they want to achieve, use it as a coaching moment or use it as a discussion about what do we need to do to make sure that you're in the right job, you're in the job you love and you can do great work. So if you practice 1530, you fix your operational problems because every day you're seeing what's coming at people and you're going to fix the problems that cause the crisis or the things that get in the way of, of what people think get in the way of, of connecting with people. If you do the five, you'll get a little bit more of an idea of how it all comes together and not just a daily snapshot. And if you do the 30, you've solved your annual performance review problem. So you put all that together. You also change the colour of your day because you start spending time with your people. You learn how, how the day is going and what the operating problems are. And you're actually engaged in doing the, the job that you're meant to do, which is help make them successful, which is also about making them productive and getting engagement while you're at it. So, again, another long-winded response, but that's kind of the, you yeah. know, that, the problem is that people think that engagement is something over there and it's not. It's your day job. It's just what you need to do and build into your day job day to day. Yeah. If you're a good leader, you're doing these things, right? Um, and you're, you're right. I think so often we throw people into leadership roles. They don't have any idea what to do or how to do it. Um, most people get promoted into leadership positions because they had technical skill and abilities, right? They were really good at whatever they were doing before and they were promoted. Um, and that doesn't mean they have any leadership ability whatsoever. And so people get thrown into those situations and usually because they have no real background in it, they just do what they've seen other people do. So if they were lucky enough to have had good mentors and good bosses and good leaders in the past, then they will probably try to mimic those individuals. And hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll, there'll be a learning curve, but they'll, they'll do okay. But what about those people who have only ever worked for jerk bosses or those people who have only ever worked for, you know, the, the leader who just is putting out fires all the time and running around like a chicken with their head cut off? What are they going to do? They're going to do the same thing. Uh, and it's, it's the natural tendency, I think, when someone has a high level of skill and expertise in an area that they want to still stay involved in all of those things. But when you're promoted and you're in a leadership position over a team, it, that's not your job anymore. Your job is not to be in the weeds on all these little specific things. You need to lean on the expertise of your other people and, and then support them in doing the work. You yeah. aren't doing the work for them. And that's a hard transition for a lot of people to take and for, for you know, leaders to wrap their mind around. And so a lot of people who are quote unquote leaders 
meaning they have a title, they have a position in the hierarchy, they aren't leading. They're, they're like doing some management and administrative tasks. They're doing some logistical things. They're running around trying to put out fires, perhaps. That's not really leading, which involves creating you know, a shared vision and purpose and, and helping people find meaning. And, and like you said, taking away barriers, providing the support, and ultimately you know, helping people to recognize their potential and to support them in working towards achieving it. That's, that's leading. And, and, you know, the vast majority of people don't really get that. Um, that's why people like you and I have the opportunity to have these conversations endlessly, because, you know, while it's not rocket science, it, it's not something that is the norm in most organizations. And so it, it's an ongoing battle and ongoing struggle. Yeah, I think you add to that um, one other factor as well, and that's that a lot of businesses, their ecosystem is not set up to make the leaders successful either. And so if you think about, you know, expand a little on what you've just talked about in terms of what the role of the, the leader is. I, I always think if you've got to be, a, if you want to be a great leader, then the first thing you've got to do is learn how to manage to engage. And once you've learned how to manage to engage, what you start to learn is that everything is connected. And so to be a great, to be able to really do a great job with your team, you've got to have the right data that comes at the right time so that people can make the right decisions. So you need that whole ecosystem of data. You've got to have processes and tools and technology that works, that does its job, that, that does what it was set up to do. And it can't be dirty and full of noise and have people having to fix things every day. You've got to have you know, the, the, the right kind of management tools that you can rely on that help you do your job, you know, in terms of the, the, the backbone of your job, which is that you've got to kind of forecast and say, okay, I know I've got a plan. I, I know what has to happen. I've got to resource it. And so if you look at the total ecosystem, that, that management, you know, that, that operating model that exists in a business, if you don't have that clean, if you don't have that organized, then you as the, as the manager and leader, you're going to struggle as well. And so you've got to make sure that on the one hand, you've got this ecosystem that's right so that you can be successful. And then you've got to connect the dots with your people so that they can be successful. And when you do the two, when you really look at the two and you get both of those working and really firing on all cylinders, that's when you understand that engagement equals productivity and the two go hand in hand and there's no separation and it is not someone else's responsibility, but yours. Yeah. Amen. Very well said. Well, Pamela, I'm just noting the time. It has flown by. This has been a really fun conversation. I imagine we could go on and on and on as we unpack this whole idea of engagement, but that's also what you do in your book. So, you know, I encourage people to, to, to reach out and to, to check out the book and, and learn more of these principles. And there are lots of other great resources on employee engagement and how to, how to do this as well. Um, Pamela, before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, where they can find your book and such, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. So I lead Proudfoot, proudfoot.com. Um, as you said, an international consulting firm, operations consulting. So very much focused at, at getting hard results, but doing it in a way that brings people along. Um, so lasting value for companies. And, and that's what really drove me to write Manage to Engage is because it's all part of that, that uh, puzzle of getting results. So you can find that absolutely anywhere. So Amazon right through to uh, all the major bookstores. It's pu published by Wiley this year. Um, and then if I was, I was, you know, I do these so often, I find myself giving the same kind of tips at the end. But today, I'm going to use a different one, because I listened to one of my teams today. And I heard somebody use what I call a flying monkey. 
And so I'm going to leave you with a flying monkey thought. And that's that the next time you ask someone to do something because your boss told you to get it done or because someone else or something else is driving it, stop and consider it a flying monkey and think to yourself, there's, there's one thing, you know, there's many things that annoy people at work, but one of them is when a leader doesn't take responsibility and say, actually, we need to do this because it's the right thing to do. So stop with the flying monkeys um, and just think in terms of how can I connect with people where I am the leader and I'm taking 100%, excuse me, <clears throat> 100% accountability um, for my work and for your work and to make you successful. I love it. Thank you, Pamela. It has just been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Pamela and her team can do for you. Check out the book, all the great resources that, that Pamela can provide. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.